Welcome back to Out on a Tangent. I am Becca and I'm here with Michelle. Hello. So, are you excited for Christmas? I am so excited for Christmas. I am all ready to get comfy and cozy. And cozy. Yes. We don't have to travel or anything. So, yes. we are, I'm putting my bathroom on when I get home today and it's not coming off till like Tuesday. <laughs> that sounds like a good plan. Yep. I like that. <laughs> Well, since we have the holidays, I thought we could talk about holiday foods and kind of the history of them a little bit, kind of like how we did our Thanksgiving episode. Which I learned a lot from. Yeah. I went home and, yeah, I was like, this is everything I assumed was, oh, the first Thanksgiving was had all this was not true basically at all. So I'm interested in what you have come up with. I was, like, the one takeaway from that episode, I did not know about turkeys. Mm-hmm. And kind of like how they came from Mexico, and it just that was an interesting one for me because I'm always fascinated about animals. So we have some traditional stuff here that you tend to think of, whether you've actually eaten it or not. <laughs> so we're gonna start off with the classic. We're gonna start with candy canes. So they originally were not in a hooked cane shape. It was straight and it was completely white and only flavored with sugar. And there's a, one main legend that gets passed around, and that's around 1670. Uh, yeah, 1670. There we go. A choir master in Germany bent the sugar sticks into canes to look like shepherd hooks and give to children at ceremonies to help um, keep them quiet. Because a lot of church officials were like, oh, well, that's not appropriate. They're not very religious. So that's why he bent them into the cane shape. And the first documented use of them during Christmas was 1847 when a German-Swedish immigrant uh, in Ohio named August Imgard decorated their tree with paper ornaments and candy canes. And then the uh, first red and white striped candy canes appeared around the turn of the 19th century. And that's around the same time when candy makers added uh, peppermint flavor to it. Mm. So they weren't flavored until way later. Uh, in 1920s, Bob McCormick was the first to use candy canes as special treats for family and friends around Christmas. They were made by hand and very labor-intensive until around the 1950s when automation of a machine, which was invented by Bob's brother-in-law, Gregory Keller, like came about. And then Bob's Candies was the first company to mass-produce and distribute candy canes worldwide. And Bob McCormick is the same as the McCormick, like the spices. The spices. Yes. This is very interesting. Yeah. It's always so weird when you find out about things that you're like, oh, that's less than 100 years. Or like my parents growing up, candy canes were probably kind of a new thing yeah. during their Christmases. And yeah. that's just so weird but to think about. For us, it's, you can't think Christmas without candy canes. It's ubiquitous. Canes. Like yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. What's, it's so interesting. So I, I also, I went to a Catholic elementary school. Mm-hmm. And we were told that Religious background to the candy cane. Yep. So the shepherd hook thing, but also that the red represented the blood of Jesus. Yep. So um, that was another thing that came later. Yeah. I did see that one around. So like that there's meaning between the colors yes. of the white and the red. Honestly, I think it's more of a, uh, I can't remember the word for it. Where you associate something, but it's like, Looking back like at reverse it. engineering, yeah, kind of. yeah, that, but, but like yeah, a, uh, it's gonna bug me. I do kind of think I know. What you mean, yeah, I can't, I can't remember, remember the word either. But like, 
you're like, associating that thing with it later. Yeah. And then it becomes so big and legendary at that point that it's getting put into the history of it. And it's like, that's that's not how that works. I also was under the impression at that time that they were very old. Like, yes. that, that design and that coloring had been... No. The other question is, like, barber poles, right? Barbershop yeah. poles are usually red and white. Yes. Was that before the candy cane? Like, do they make candy canes to look like barbershop poles? Kind no. Of? Um, I don't think that was it. I think it was more just the way that you make a candy cane because it's literally, okay, you pour sugar. I, I This is a weird rabbit hole for me, but um, I like watching candy making videos on YouTube. Yeah. Um, so they'll, like, pour the sugar on a cooling table. Or, well, it's like, heated and cooling. It's weird. But they will mix in, like, citric acid and then any other flavorings. And then they start to, like, fold it together. And then to make it white, because at that point it's kind of this yellowish color, they pull it on a taffy hook. And so you keep pulling that and pulling that. And then when you're adding in another one, you make a log form. So you have, like, the white and then you might put the red around it in a couple different spots. And then they start to pull that so it's into rods. And then they'll cut them. And then shape them again. I did not know that. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Things I find on YouTube. I need to watch more production type videos. I am a huge fan of like how it's made. Yeah. Like that is one of my comfort shows. I'll just throw that on in the background. And like Unwrapped when it was on uh, Food Network was one of my favorites because I love learning the history of the food and how things are made and just roaming around YouTube, there's this one, um, I think they're a candy and ice cream, but I watch them for their candy. Uh, they're called Lofty Pursuits out of Tallahassee, Florida. And he goes into such detail about the history of stuff as well, because they use like old, um, they're, they're molds, but it's like on a wheel. So you feed the warm sugar through it, like the, kind of like Play-Doh and you mm -hmm. roll it through and it comes out on the other side and that's how you make like drop candy and the reason it's called drop candy is you take those sheets and you drop it and mm -hmm. then they're in the little shapes. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's amazing like we're like sugar is great. Let's see all the different ways we can form and like yeah just because it all really comes down to usually I, sugar. I used to watch on Food Network when they would have like chocolate or sugar sculpture competitions, yes. like the big ones that were in Vegas. And these things are like taller than people. And I'm just like, this is fascinating. I'm watching someone those so much. blow sugar like you would blow a piece of glass. Mm -hmm. like, And it's so delicate. And exactly. Oh my gosh. And then watching them when they're moving it from the table and you're like, please, yeah, God, and, don't and fall. It's the cruelest thing. There, and now you have to move it. And yeah. You're like, really? <laughs> why, why do we have to move Why can't you just look at it here? Uh, but, but yeah. Do you like candy? I do, um, up to a certain point. I am a traditionalist. I do not do odd flavored ones because I know there's like Jolly Rancher. There's so many. There's there, Starburst. Yeah. There's, uh, I think, Nerds. And I was I like, what is that? I saw an Oreo one one, I oh, think, dear. once. And I'm just like, no, give me a straight up peppermint. I'll take that. Mm -hmm. And it's like one of the only times I really like peppermint. <laughs> and um, I always buy like the mini candy canes yes. instead because uh, we just shove them in our hot chocolate. Oh, does that work? Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, you just leave it in there. You can stir the hot chocolate. If you get like a larger one, you can stir it like yeah, a spoon. Yeah, I've never even done that. But um, yeah, we just shove that in there, let it melt. Because I do got... like mint chocolate. I know it's yeah. a controversial flavor. I don't love it all. You know, like, well, it depends. While, a mint, mint chocolate's quite nice. I think it depends because yeah. most mint chocolate is not peppermint. It's spearmint. So, mm. and I don't think a lot of people realize the difference between the two, which is interesting. Yeah. Uh, speaking of peppermint, so I didn't find a lot of history on peppermint, but they think that it's popular because of the candy cane. So that's why when it's holiday time, you see peppermint everywhere. It's because they're evoking the candy cane because the candy cane has become so ubiquitous to the holiday. So was peppermint not a very popular flavoring before that? Not really, I guess. That's- like, it was a thing, but it was mainly, like, medicinal. Yes. I can, I mean, it tastes, I, It's a yeah. plant from, like, the Middle East and everything. And they would use it more as, like, a stomach, mm-hmm. like, aid. So, I mean, it makes sense, but it's just, it's interesting that it's had this shift from medicine to candy. <laughs> yeah, and I do know some people who just don't like mint. Flavoring because yeah. it is medicinal to that, or like toothpaste. Which you know? that's my problem. Yeah. Is like if I have too much mint in general, I just feel ill. Yeah, I <laughs> I eat a lot of Tic Tacs, and sometimes I'll hit it a little too hard, yep. and then you're like, oh my, that's yep. that, that's smart. too far in the wrong direction. <laughs> <laughs> uh, moving on from there, we have gingerbread. Yes, gingerbread has an interesting. Like, there's so many different styles of gingerbread, so, um. Ginger comes from Asia, and the Romans used it, like, a lot. So that's kind of how it spread into Europe, uh, is because of the Romans. After the fall of the Roman Empire, Europe didn't really have a great access to ginger until Marco Polo brought it back. So once Silk Road and Spice Trade really took off, they got ginger back. Um, and it was used mainly to cover, like, the taste of preserved meats for, like, the winter and everything. But gingerbread was a product of medieval Europe, really. And it was a staple of fairs. And a lot of times at the fairs, it would be, like, a hard biscuit that was cut into shapes. And usually it would be, like, kings and queens, animals, letters. And they would be gilded. Like, actual gold on your cookie. Yeah. <laughs> Michelle is giving I'm me sorry. this weird look. I don't even know how to ask the question of, were you meant to eat it? Yeah. You can eat gold. I know. I've seen, like, the Great British Bake Off a lot of times. They put little, like, gold flakes on things. Yeah. I've had gold schlager. <laughs> there's, there's... Okay. Is that really gold? Yeah. It... It's just cinnamon schnapps with gold in it. Does, that doesn't hurt people? No. They're so... They're paper thin. Like, they're not yeah. even paper thin. They're beyond paper thin. They're, like, hair thin pieces okay and a little bit of gold is actually not going to hurt you that's interesting it's, it's a metal that will not really hurt you unless you have a gold allergy don't don't do that if you have actually a gold allergy. Good call because i i have certain metal allergies yes, yes. that that would be the I'll one be thing there okay uh some of these fairs were called gingerbread fairs because of it and they were at all seasons and the shapes of the cookies would be appropriate for the season so you might have like um, flowers and things for spring, and then you might have more animals for fall, things like that. Um, 
Queen Elizabeth was said to have gingerbread cut into caricatures of her courtiers <laughs> that she would then give to them oh. at the meal. Uh, in France, gingerbread was more of an actual bread or a cake using honey. Which I remember one time I was out of molasses. And so I was like, okay, what's the substitute for molasses? And I looked it up and it was honey. So I'm like, okay, I can make it with honey. I've had it with honey. I prefer molasses. Mm. But thinking back on that now, I'm like, I made it the way that they used to make it. <laughs> because in Europe, they didn't have molasses at the time. That's a byproduct of the Americas. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, in Germany, in northern Bavaria, Lepkuchen is flavored with ginger. There's multiple flavors, but there are some with ginger, and that's been made for over 600 years. There was a lot of honey, and the spice trade was prosperous, and Lepkuchen was made exclusively by a guild of bakers. Like, this is not something that you would make at home. You would go to the guild Mm-hmm. to specifically get that. And if you don't know what a guild is, um, think of it like a union for different, like, crafters, things like that. So, like, you could have, like, a butcher's guild or a smithy guild, things like that. That's what a guild is. Um, and Germany is also where we start seeing gingerbread houses, like in Hansel and Gretel. Mm, which yes. the Grimm's brothers, German. Um, some interesting names for gingerbread houses. We have uh, Hexenhausel, which is a witch house. Yes. Uh, Lebkuchenhausel. And I'm going to butcher this one. Nupserhausen. And that's houses for nibbling at. <laughs> <laughs> I like that one. I, I like that one too. <laughs> which, honestly, when you have a gingerbread house, you don't like just gnaw on it you nibble but we've totally broken off pieces and just nibbled at them that way um english colonists were the ones that brought gingerbread to america and it became particularly popular in new england uh and then the pennsylvania dutch brought lep kitchen over mm. american gingerbread is mainly known for using molasses instead of honey because of the rum trade sugarcane all of that so it was readily available and cheap so it's interesting that that part of the recipe has become so widespread at this point. Yeah. Because I can't think of gingerbread without molasses. When you have it with the honey, it's lighter in color. Is it still very hard? Is, is... It depends on how you make your recipe. It was still kind of like, because um, I make like the, the crispier cookies. So it wasn't quite like a ginger snap, but... It still had that kind of soft, doughy, but with a little crisp to it. But it just wasn't as deep a flavor as when you make it with molasses, which was interesting. So does ginger make things last longer? Does it help to preserve it? Yeah. Is that why it became so popular? Yeah, because they would use it. Again, that was a dietary thing because ginger helps with the stomach and everything. Um, And then the fact that they would use that and other spices to help preserve their meats over the summer. Not over the summer, over the winter. <laughs> so you can make a bread or a dessert and yeah, sell it, and then it would stay good for okay. Yeah, for a while. Um, gingerbread didn't become associated with Christmas until the 17th century, and that's especially when gingerbread houses were really popular, which was interesting. I think that's around the time the Grimm's brothers were running around, weren't they? I feel, in my head, I think, oh, 1600s for them. So it seems, yeah, so I could like, be absolutely wrong, but in my head, It's definitely the right era. Yeah, I think that's... yeah. 
Have you ever made a gingerbread house? I have. Um, but the ones I made could not be eaten because the gingerbread was so hard. Yes. So Were, Was yours a pre-made kit? I've done a pre-made kit, and I've also done it where we made it at home. Okay. We made, like, basically... The sheets. Sheets. And, yeah. But once it cooled down, like, when it was it was not being eaten, it was Ooh. so hard. But you could kind of pick the candy off of it. Yeah. <laughs> so... No, my kids will, like, I'll get the little kits, because it's usually, like, the little village ones, because then that way it's not a huge house. Yes. They each get their own little house. So they'll pull off, like, the roof or something and start eating that. And I'm just like... That sounds like it hurts. <laughs> yeah. But I we usually make, um, which hopefully we're doing that today, because that's our activity for today, is to make cookies. Um, we were going to make gingerbread cookies, and we usually get icing, which I need to go get. Um, but I also have, <laughs> my sister-in-law a few years ago bought us ninja bread cookie cutters. <gasps> so we make little ninja bread men. <laughs> that's great. So we want, like, two that are kicking, one that's mm-hmm. punching. <laughs> and so we'll have those. We'll have, like, our regular gingerbread men. We'll have snowmen, Christmas trees, you know, the usual. And then I make enough that we'll make little goodie bags and give them to our neighbors. Yeah, we do sugar cookies. Yeah, and then we we decorate them with, co- like, colored frosting. I haven't made sugar cookies in a long time. I'm very tempted. Because gingerbread, I love gingerbread. But I almost don't want to do that one today. I almost want to do sugar cookies today just because gingerbread, so the dough needs to sit for a little while. Mm. So I may make the dough today and then maybe we'll make gingerbread tomorrow, <laughs> which I also work tomorrow, but that's another story. Um, but yeah, like, and have you ever had like a proper, like soft gingerbread? I believe so. I don't know if I've ever had a proper soft gingerbread and that's what's so fascinating to me is that it seems like England is more the cookie biscuit-like one, whereas in Germany and France, it was more of the bread-type one. But then in America, it's just depending on regionally where you are, which one mm. you have more, which is interesting to me. Just, yeah. Yeah, I think I've had, like, different types of kind of spiced breads. Yes. And I think I've had like a ginger bread. I'm not sure. Uh, either way, it's delicious. I love gingerbread. Is I don't like gingerbread flavored things mm-hmm. just because it's almost too sweet and it doesn't have enough spice. Yeah, I, I do like a a good gingerbread or like even just the molasses kind of cookie. Yes. Like that kind of stuff, yeah. Never realize how much molasses adds to it. It's just, I love it. Try, here's a fun science experiment for you. Make two batches. Do one with honey, one with molasses. And then do taste testing. It's it's so much fun. You'll have fun. (laughs) Do you use the same amount of honey as well? Like, is it, Uh, or do you have to I think it's the same amount, actually. Okay. Yeah, because that makes it easier. Okay. they're very similar in their viscosity. Yes. <laughs> All right. Oranges. Oranges are associated with Christmas. Not so much in the U.S., but if you've ever watched a lot of British stuff, you know that oranges tend to be in the stocking. Yes, and I think the, the whole here, the chocolate orange thing, oh my God, a lot of people put in the stockings. Oranges. Um, but, I mean, initially, the, the orange would fill out the toe of the stocking, yes. right? So it kind of was just a good shape to, to 
put in there. Well, that too, but it goes further back to the story of St. Nicholas of Myra. Um, he gave gold to three girls who were either going to be sold into slavery or they were going to be married off, depending on which legend you look at. He tossed either balls, bars, or bags of gold through the window and one landed in the stocking that was drying by the fire. So that's kind of where the legendary part of it comes in. But oranges were also a luxury, especially in Europe where they did not grow, really. Mm -hmm. So it was a big deal to be able to have an orange as a gift for Christmas. And then I was reading that um, the the orange companies in America were trying to, and they, they had campaigns being like, hey, fill out that stocking with an orange this year. Like, but it did not really take off, which I find interesting. I do think growing up, I do know that it was a common gift. There's companies where you can like buy a box of oranges and send to someone. And that's always a, like yes. a beautiful gift, especially if you live in New England. Yeah. It's cold and it's snowing and Gives getting you fresh a little citrus. Bit, yeah. Yeah. Help you fight off scurvy. Well, that's <laughs> actually, I, I had wondered if that's kind of where it started too, because in the wintertime, like, yeah, we might need, you could go back even into like pagan roots of, okay, the orange could be the sun and it's kind of helping to remind you that the sun will come back kind of thing. So it's, a, it's, there's so many layers, <laughs> layers cause it's orange. Anyway, um, <laughs> there's so many layers to it that could be put in there, which is interesting. And I always like the little clementines that yes. usually are sold around this time of year. I always like right now I have a bowl of them in the kitchen cause around Christmas I like to have little oranges. So I saw a really cool thing, and I want to try it sometime. You buy whole cloves. Yep, I've done this. And you put them in the skin of the orange, and it just makes the house smell awesome. It is amazing. When I was little, I, I think we did that in school, and I brought it home, and it smelled so good for so long. I, I want to do it. Like, I really want to buy whole cloves just for it. <laughs> like, what else am I going to use the whole cloves for? I mean, if they stay good long enough, you can just every year make yeah. yourself an orange. Yeah, I, I can do that. Or just whenever I feel like I need the smell, just do one. <laughs> yeah, it's just such a, even now, like, I try to remember when I'm eating an orange, or I bought a pineapple the other day from the store, just yeah. to be really grateful and amazed that, like, I'm living in New Hampshire, and I am eating a pineapple right in now. In December. How insane and wonderful yeah. is that? It's Anytime I, I get, like, and I know I'm a little spoiled because I tend to grow my own tomatoes in the summer. How beautiful. But when I get tomatoes in the winter, and I'm like... It's just not as good because it was shipped here, but it's the middle of winter and I'm eating tomatoes. Like that's tomatoes, fresh tomatoes, not canned tomatoes, yeah. fresh tomatoes. Like that's a huge deal. So like, I think a lot of times we forget how privileged we are to be able to have things shipped to us like that. To have access to yeah. the pineapple I bought the other day. It's It tastes great. It was two dollars like it was on they were all on sale and i so i bought a pineapple for two dollars okay do you know how pineapples grow like for what we think would be upside down right yes yes that was what got me because i was like i think growing up a lot of us thought that they grew on like a palm tree like a coconut but then to find out no it's in the ground and it's growing up like the tree and when I looked at, like, a pineapple farm, like, I looked at pictures of one, 
it kind of made me think of agave plants. Okay, yeah. yeah. They're, they're, like, similar in how they look, which agave plants then bring me back to, like, aloe, because they're also similar. Yeah, I can see, actually. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's just, it was fascinating to see, like, just rows of pineapples. And you can technically take the top of your pineapple, like, the spiny, or the the leafy bit, mm-hmm. and plant that and potentially grow another pineapple. That's cool. But yeah, around, I try to have, you know, fruit around for Christmas because it's, it's always yeah. so much candy and sugar and stuff to try to be like, oh, fresh fruit. You're having nature's candy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So good. They're so good. Um, chestnuts. Yeah, I've have have never. I was going to say, I don't think I've ever had a chestnut. Or I, if I have, it was an ingredient in something. Yeah, I don't. I, I've always been perplexed at why chestnuts, why so, Christmas. people have been eating chestnuts for thousands of years. And for a long time, it was the smell of Christmas in the U.S. Because I don't know what it smells like. American chestnut trees were all over the East Coast. Like, up and down the East Coast. Okay. But 1904, a blight that was traced back to an Asian import started to spread. And over the next 40 years, almost every American chestnut tree was wiped out. Well, that explains a lot. Yeah. So scientists are trying to genetically modify a breed to be hardy against blight. They're working on it. Um, and you can still get roasted chestnuts, but they are imported and people claim that they are not the same. Like the meat is not as, I guess, firm. Is Do what... you know, like, is there another type of nut that's more common here that you could compare it to? Like, do you know, is it like a walnut? Is it like an almond or like an well, acorn? Well, the thing, though. Like, I don't, I, acorn might be the closest thing, Because I think honestly. I've seen, I can kind of visualize what a chestnut looks like. And yeah. it kind of is like a bigger acorn. Yeah, it's big. Um, almost the size of like a peach pit. Okay, yes. Uh, but kind of like more bulbous shaped, I guess. Um, and then there's a lot of like the white meat. So like if you were to cut into an acorn, it kind of looks like... The inside of that. Um, but yeah, I've never Do had you a roasted have chestnut. you to roast them to eat them? Or... I think you can eat them raw, but I'm not entirely sure okay. on that. <laughs> Don't quote me on that one. But I think, like, just... It just tastes better if it's been... Yeah, and yeah. I think it brings out the... I think you can eat them raw. The reason that they are roasted is because it brings out, like, the sweetness instead. Yeah. Because they're a little bit more bitter if mm-hmm. you don't. Um, I wonder what they smell like. I don't. Yeah. Know. I don't know what that smell. Yeah, is. I don't know that smell. I associate Christmas with cinnamon and peppermint and like citrus, like orange. Honestly, yeah, I too. Yeah, yeah. Like I don't know what the smell of that is. That makes sense. That it was okay. Why we associate? Why but there were I such think deep associations with it? But now between not. that and then the song. Yes. Like we all know the song "Chestnuts Roasting on an Open Fire," mm-hmm. but. I think because of the blight and those trees going away and it becoming less prevalent, it's not as well known now. Yeah, and there, but there are still, like, nutcrackers are very associated with yes. Christmas and things like that. So I remember, you know, growing up giving someone, like, a bag of walnuts or pistachio. Like, yeah. So, like, giving people nuts for Christmas was still a thing, but not chestnuts. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. Which I don't know if you could use a nutcracker on a chestnut. I think you can. Oh, I don't know. Well, I'm I'm thinking more of like the fancy nutcrackers, yeah, yeah, not yeah. like an actual like yeah yeah can. like the ones that look like little soldiers. Yes. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, because if they're big enough, you might not be able to even yeah. take them in. I love. Have you read the Nutcracker? You know what? I never have it. So I never there's have. two versions. Okay. Okay. There is 
the one that the ballet is based off of. And there is the story behind the Nutcracker Prince. And it was that he was supposed to marry this princess or something and he offended her and so she cursed him to be the way he is and they had to find a nut that he could break and there was like this really hard nut that was the hardest nut ever and eventually like the curse was broken and that's how he ended up being like the prince in the Nutcracker, but it's just really weird and fascinating, and it also ties back into the Mouse King and stuff. Mm-hmm. Which, if you know the story behind Mouse King or the Rat King, that one's just terrifying. Do you know? Like, okay, some productions of the Nutcracker will have him with seven heads, mm. because. A rat king or a mouse king is what would happen when a bunch of mice or rats would end up with their tails, like, knotted together. So, learning that, and it's not just some mutated rat. Yes. (laughs) Like, blew my mind. (laughs) Yes, though I, I have heard that rat king type thing. Um, That's sort of like lemmings jumping off a cliff. That humans who recorded it kind of manipulated something to be oh, like... Not just humans. Not just humans. I'm going to oust one of my favorite companies, even though they have shady things Disney? here. Oh, yeah, Disney. Yeah, Disney with it the was, lemmings. It is, was uh, their... Um, what was the... Oh. Let me. I'm gonna, what is the name of it? Hold on. Back up a moment for the audience in yes. case they don't know. So when lemmings. I was growing up, it was always, oh, lemmings, they'll just run off a cliff. To kill themselves. They'll just run into the sea to drown themselves if one of them gets panicked. And that was what everyone knew about lemmings. They'll just follow each other. White Wilderness. That was the name okay. of it. But there I was a actually... Disney documentary yes. that was filmed. And they were trying to they were trying to get footage of this phenomena. Yep. And it wasn't happening. So they chased lemmings off of the cliff to get it on film. Yep. Perpetuating the myth. Perpetuating the myth. So I don't know if it's ever actually been recorded or if it was... Nope. People just seeing lemmings running off a cliff because they were chasing them. Yep. And then there was the video game that we played as kids on the computer called Lemmings because they would just follow you. So I've heard that the Rat King thing is similar where humans were trying, people were trying to get footage of this and they couldn't find it. So they tied a bunch of tails together. Yeah. I don't know if that's true, but. So. Who knows? It could be that they were. Stuck together, like, because of hair or sticky substances that have been on their tails. Or it could be that people were doing it on purpose, because... Yeah. Disgusting. But, um, but yes, the the whole Rat King and... Yeah. Yeah. It, it's insane. Um, I was going to see if I could find the story, because I can't remember what it is. Okay, so the Nutcracker Ballet is based off of... Uh, Hoffman's short story, The Nutcracker and the Mouse King. Which is that the one? Okay, so yeah, that's about Marie. But there's another one. Where is it? Is it the same thing or is it a different thing? No, okay, no, that's... (laughs) Oh, no, maybe it is the same thing. Yes, okay, so... In the ballet, they don't use this part. That's why. So it was the 
um, Princess Perlipat and Madame Mouse Rinks, who is the queen of mice. And the mouse queen tricked Perlipat's mother into allowing her and her children to gobble up lard that was supposed to go into the sausage that the king was to eat at dinner. The king, enraged at the mouse queen, um, creates traps for her and her children. She was angry at the death of her children, and she would get revenge on Perlipat. Um, Perlipat got turned ugly because of the mouse queen, giving her a huge head and a wide grinning mouth. The king blamed Drosselmeyer, who is the toy maker in the Nutcracker, gave him four weeks to find a cure. Uh, and then she, the only way to cure her was to eat the nut Krakatuk, which must be cracked and handed to her by a man who has never been shaved nor worn boots since birth, and who must, without opening his eyes, hand her the kernel and take seven steps backwards without stumbling. What is even happening? Yeah. Okay, so he's looking around for that... Um, they found the kid, which happens to be Drosselmeyer's cousin. And the king had promised uh, the princess's hand to whoever could crack the nut. Um, he did it. But on his seventh step backward, he stepped on the mouse queen and stumbled. And the curse fell on him, giving him a large head and wide mouth and making him into a nutcracker. Prolopat refused to marry him and banished him. And that's how he ends up as the nutcracker. It's kind of sad, <laughs> but it's fascinating. Like, I love it's deep lot, diving it's into that. It's pretty complicated. Yes. Okay. There's a little bit of Nutcracker history for you. <laughs> um, oh, fruitcake. Have you had fruitcake? Yes. Have you had good fruitcake? No. <laughs> and the thing is, it's sad because I feel like there is a way to make it good. There is. There I've had be. good and bad. I've had both. So... Fruitcake can be traced back to ancient times, and it was a great way to use candied and preserved fruit from the summer and nuts from the fall. They were more bread-like and used alcohol to help preserve them. And the reason for some fruitcake hate is because of mail-order fruit from the mm -hmm. early 20th century, and that was more of a quantity over quality situation. And then I believe it was uh, Johnny Carson who had made the joke about, um, which this actually happened too, that there was a family that was just passing the same fruitcake around. Yes. Because it was so well preserved. But if you make proper food, like fruitcake, using like candied fruits, not the gummy fruits. I mean properly candied fruit and nuts. It's really delicious. What is the bread component of fruitcake? Or like what's the cake component of fruitcake? What kind of a cake is it? It's just a spiced cake. Okay. Yeah. It's just like a spiced bread cake thing. And then um, a lot of times people will use like either brandy, um, sometimes whiskey, um, and then rum. That might explain it too. I don't really like boozy desserts. Yeah. So that might explain why just the flavor kind of, because it was weird. I was like, I should like, I like every single element yeah. of this, but together it's not Which, doing it for if me. You, I think if you made it without or without um, soaking it. Yes. Because I think that's the thing, is these were soaked. To keep, to preserve them probably. Exactly, yes. exactly. So that you could have it all through the winter. But I think if you made it with just a little bit so that it's flavoring it without being soaked in it, you might like it better. Because probably initially it was like, this is a good way to survive through the winter. Because exactly. Because you're getting lots it's of... It's very dense, mm -hmm. has a lot of nutrients, has a lot of vitamins, so that you are getting that 
So I don't think it was intended really as a dessert. It no. was just a way to like but not it became get sick. more sugary mm-hmm. and I think that's why it's so hated because to be able to ship it I think they added more sugar to it. Because yeah, we had one shipped from a company once. A relative sent us a fruit cake yep. and it weighed about, you know, 8,000 pounds oh, and yeah. uh it did not taste very good. No, like and this was like around the Great Depression that this was taking off. Because if you think about it, that was a lot easier to get some things, was to just mail order it mm-hmm. and have it be shipped to you. But it just seems weird that you would do that with something like a fruitcake. <laughs> but I guess thinking about it, okay, flour might have been a luxury that you couldn't afford necessarily. So, I mean, I get it, but on the other hand, it's just... Ugh. I don't know, I've had my I've had my share of good and bad. Yeah. And basically if it had frosting on it or those candy like the, the red and green candies in it, mm-hmm. I won't touch it with a ten foot pole yes, anymore. Yes, I do think that's the one I the male one. But yeah. if it looks like an actual like nut bread or a fruit bread or something, I'm I'm more likely to try it because yeah. and I think people who are smart about it won't call it a fruit cake. Because I've definitely been yes. to places where someone made a cake with nuts and fruit in it and it was delicious. Yeah. And technically probably was a fruitcake, but yeah. they didn't call it a fruitcake. Yeah. Now, have you had figgy pudding? I don't know. I have never had figgy pudding. It sounds very So fun. figgy pudding is actually similar in style to a fruitcake. Now, is the word pudding, it's the British term of pudding, yes. right? Um, which I believe in this case, it's the way that it's cooked. Because it is more um, soft. So they tend to boil it, I believe. That's why it's kind of more Mm pudding-like and not necessarily bread-like. So I think it's if you took a fruitcake and essentially boiled it (laughs) a little bit more, that's how you get more of a dessert pudding texture. Um, But figgy pudding was literally just, it was figs. And that kind of led into uh, like plum pudding as well. It was just more of those were the main fruits of them. So, in the song, they are literally talking about fruitcake, essentially. But it's figgy pudding. Okay. Eggnog. Do Mm. you like eggnog? I think, okay, this is funny. I was talking to John about this recently. Because (laughs) as a child, I loved eggnog. But the thing is, I think I had my fill of it. Do you know what I mean? I think I overdid it as a kid. So now, it's like, when I think of it, I'm just like, oh, that's too much. Like, I haven't had it in a very long time. I cannot do eggnog. But when you were young, did you like it? No. Never. It... Something about it is just wrong it's so on rich. so many levels for me, which is funny because, I mean, you see heat me. I'm literally drinking a frozen chocolate from Dunkin's. Um, so it's not that it's, like, too sweet or anything. There's something about the combination of things that I just, I can't do it. Well, it's, and we've talked about texture stuff before. Yeah, so maybe it, it has, is. Yeah, as an adult, it does not appeal to me at all. Yeah. My husband loves it, which is funny because he's lactose intolerant. But <laughs> they do make some pretty good um, lactose-free nogs. So, so he has one there. I know there's like, now I was in the store recently and I was like, oh, wow, it, there's like cinnamon eggnog. There's, mm-hmm. I forget all the coffee egg. There, there's yep. lots of different variations. Does he just like eggnog? Straight up eggnog. Yeah. So most historians agree that eggnog originates from early medieval Britain as a posset, which is a hot milky ale-like drink. Around the 13th century, monks started drinking possets with eggs and figs. And then eggnog joined with Christmas in the Americans in uh, 1700s since milk and eggs were plentiful and rum was cheap. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of why we have rum in it now. So that that's, again, 
America taking over. <laughs> Dang rum and sugar cane and molasses. So I'm trying to find, I forget what it's called, but a couple years ago, I think it was maybe called Coquito. It's coconut-based yes. nog. It's yes. not egg-based nog. And that was really yes. good. She brought me over some, and she had, like, a cinnamon stick in it. And it was, the texture was. Maybe it's the egg. Yeah, it was, because, it, it you know, egg has yeah. the kind of. Which is weird, because I love eggs. I do. Yeah, yeah, but, like, a kind of raw egg texture yeah. is a little unsettling. Um, yeah. But, yeah, the, the coconut-based one was ooh, very I might, good. I might have to look for that. Yes. Um, the other thing for the name, like Nog, they think maybe mm. also came from like Grog. Okay. You know, like, cause ale would be like Grog. Yeah. yeah. So kind of just morphed. Even, yeah. Yeah. And I since it that. has egg as the main ingredient, hence egg Nog, egg Grog. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're feeling a little medieval, get your egg Nog. <laughs> so yeah. Well, that's, uh, my little deep dive into some holiday foods. <laughs> Yeah, what are you, uh, what, what's your, do you have, well, you're doing the cookies. Yes. Do you have, like, a traditional Christmas dinner? Not a or dinner. Or do you kind of mix it up? Not a dinner. Um, but what we do every Christmas morning is we make pancakes. <gasps> We're having pancakes tonight. So, uh, which pancakes. we just bought a bag of M&M's, so I think we might be using <gasps> that. Because usually um, it's chocolate pancakes, and I don't know if Chris is going to do bacon and p- home fries or not, but that's, like, his big breakfast thing. Oh, that sounds... So every Amazing. Christmas morning, we get pancakes. I love pancakes so yes. much. Pancakes for dinner, too, is just yes, awesome. That's what, yeah, tonight we're doing pancakes for dinner. But we do, um, every New Year's, we get pizza. Because um, Chris and me got engaged around New Year's. And uh, we were at Disney World, so <laughs> we just grabbed a pizza back in our hotel room and had bought, like, a bottle of wine over at Walmart. <laughs> so me and him always have pizza and wine on New Year's. <laughs> just become a thing yeah that's be- <laughs> and we, we actually- even got the kids in on it so we get them their own like little yeah. either we, they get spray or we get like the sparkling cider or something like that so they get to have that with their pizza <laughs> yeah actually i always found my parents would like uh cranberry juice with like a sprite or something yes. it's like a nice it's kind of fancy but you know it doesn't have the, the my parents let me have mead oh one year Oh, wow. So I had, like, a small glass of it. I yeah. was only allowed the one glass, which was fine. But it was so good. Like, I really like mead. I don't know if I've ever had mead. Is it different than beer? Yeah, it's it's honey wine, Okay, I don't... Yeah, I, I've actually never had mead then. Yes. Hmm. Yes. You, hmm. It's delicious. Hmm. If you like if you like honey, which I know you're not a big fan of honey. Yeah. It, but there are, like, I'm more particular fruity-flavored ones. Yes. So, um, Moonlight Meadery is a local one. Yeah. Which I highly recommend. They are delicious. But it was funny. I scared my mom because the mead we had is like the same color as apple juice. Oh. So I had gone back into the kitchen and I had gotten myself apple juice afterwards. And she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, it's apple juice here. Taste. And she's like, okay. (laughs) You scared me. I'm like, I'm not getting. I think I was like 13 at the time. Like, I know better. You guys give me like a small little thing of wine and that's it. Like, every once in a while, I would get, like, a little small, like, teeny little glass of wine. Yeah, I think, uh, well, this year we're, we're doing stew for Christmas. <gasps> what kind of stew? Beef stew. Ooh, I want a good beef stew. But it's so nice because, like, you get it set up, and then you yes. can have it for leftovers the next day. So it's, like, very, like, 
what do you do with stew? Like, do you have bread on the side? What kind of bread do you do? So we were going to get, we usually get like uh, just a loaf of like French bread or Italian oh, bread or something. But you need, you have to yes. have bread with it. Like have you ever done essential. it in a bread bowl? Put the stew in a bread bowl? Yeah. No. You should try it. I should. It'd be fun. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that doesn't work so well for leftovers, but it is great at the time. You just eat your bowl. Um, I also like doing, uh, we like to do biscuits with a lot of stuff. Mm. So like we'll do... Yes. Um, we call it turkey bake, but we use chicken too. But it's basically like a pot pie, but we put biscuits on top instead. That's what we do, yeah. I yeah. love it. We haven't done that in a while. We should do that. Maybe we could do that for Christmas dinner. Hmm. I need to do some grocery shopping later good. anyway. All right. Well, I also have some sad news for listeners. But also good news. Michelle is leaving us. Yes, at the end of the month, I will be... I will be moving on from Merrimack Library. Yeah. We're going to miss her. But we'll have these lovely episodes to remember you by. Well, and I still love listening to the show. So <laughs> I'll still be listening. Yes. <laughs> and um, you'll come visit us. Yes. And I'm not, yeah, I'm not moving or anything, but I'm, I'm going to start. I'm going to go back to school, guys. Woo! I'm almost 40 years old and I'm going back to school. Hey, you can do it. You can that. do it at any time. Yes. Yep. Put your mind to it. Do it. Yeah. <laughs> But yes, I, I have loved being on the podcast, but I will love listening to the podcast yes. as well. Yes. Yay. So I just wanted to let you guys know that Michelle won't be here because of that. But we're wishing her well and all of her schooling yeah, I'm and so stuff. excited, yes. <laughs> and I will be back and see you next year. Can you believe it? Whoa. <gasps> I'm also going to try and pull more people in from yes. adult services and to see so if they fun, can. And that would be so fun because... Yeah, you need to, yeah. Yeah, spice it up a bit. I want Reggie on here bad. <laughs> yeah, I want Reggie, I want Eve, I want everyone yes. to come down and, and have an episode. Everybody can, oh my God, could you imagine if I get Jared? <gasps> that would be an amazing, wow. And just don't even have a theme. Like, just bring Jared in and be like, Jared, just talk about. Yeah, just talk about whatever you want to talk about. Let's talk about things. <laughs> Jared knows a little bit about everything. Oh my God. It's, it's incredible. The days that we've spent talking about Kung Fu. Has been wonderful. Yeah. yeah, Jared episode, yeah. Yes. <laughs> we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.